Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate Crespo, and today we have another incredible guest. He's a 3L at Albany Law and currently works as a legal intern at Gervin and Ferlazzo. He has held past positions as a legal intern at Brown and Winrob and as a summer law clerk for the Northern District of New York for Judge Anne M. Nardacci. Excited to have him on the podcast today, Mr. Abe Frangi. Welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? I hope you. I hope I said your last name right. You did, Nate. Thank you very much for for having me. I'm looking forward to to talking with you. Absolutely, I am glad to have you here today as well. Now, before we get started, Abe, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm a somewhat Albany native. I grew up around Albany. I went to school for undergrad at New Albany, and then obviously I'm here for uh, for law school at Albany Law. So I've I've been around the Albany, the capital region, for for the better part of 25 years. Um, had a lot of weird jobs and a lot of different career paths that I've started and then abandoned, and then for whatever reason, uh, I'm sure we'll dive into it. Ended up in law school, and I'm going to graduate in five months, which is totally terrifying. Uh, but that's that's where we're at. Well, I mean, before before we get started, I'm glad I'm glad to have an Albany native here. I have only been here for three years of my life, not 25, unfortunately. Um, but I do love Albany. I love it a lot. We were talking, me and Abe, before the podcast, we we're talking about the weather. Um, it's not great outside, but it could be worse. I've seen I, I'm seeing all the videos from like the Midwest and all the snowstorms and and all that stuff. So we don't have that. It's just really cold. But graduated from U Albany. I go to Albany myself. I'm a proud Great Dane. I hope you are as well. Uh, but you had majored in Homeland Security, Terrorism, and Counterterrorism Ops. Now, from there, why did you decide to switch tracks and go to law school? Can you describe, you know, after graduation, what was sort of your mindset? Yeah, so I, I graduated in 20. Uh, there was something small that was bogging down the rest <laughs> of the world in 2020. Um, and so for whatever reason, I ended up never going into counterterrorism. I never went into Homeland Security. I never went into any of the scary three-letter agencies. Um, I really, I, I don't know what it was. After three and a half years, I go, you know what? This just isn't, isn't my thing. It's not what I want to do, um, which is very surprising because it was kind of my career path my whole life I wanted at first I wanted to do forensics and I got really into that and then I wanted to go into law enforcement and then I wanted to go into uh, counterterrorism and then I wanted to go into emergency response so I've had a whole bunch of weird uh, side goals I guess but it was always kind of going towards that main homeland security track and then um, I figured out during college that I was really good at writing and I was really good at arguing and speaking. And uh, I had way more fun doing debates and writing and arguing and speaking than I would have ever had doing counterterrorism, uh, you know, desk analysis. Um, while I still find that stuff really interesting and part of me kind of wishes I did it, I like debating. I like speaking, I like writing. Um, 
it's that's my sport. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get into moot court momentarily. You've you've allowed me, uh, graciously allowed me to plug the moot court program that I'm fortunate to run at the law school. Um, that's that's my speed. So so naturally you put all those sort of things together and it pushes you into a law field and for whatever reason I took the LSAT and then wound up here. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's very important for people to hear out there um, to play to your strengths because clearly you you found that your strength was arguing, debating, writing, and uh, from there you, you sort of found the path. Uh, what I have to ask though is, were there were there any? I, I, you know, I'm currently at UAlbany, and I know we have a ton of organizations on campus that have to do with that. Did did you explore any of those organizations? Yeah, I did. I was in. A couple of the political debate societies or whatever. I don't remember what they're called. Um, so I did that for a while and we did a bunch of debates and did a bunch of speaking sort of things and, and that sort of stuff. We did policy debates. Um, so I did that from like my second year, I think, all the way pretty much to, to when I graduated. Uh, and those were always a ton of fun. And we would, I would work with whoever, you know, came to debate and we would have long strategy meetings in the library and figure out what our, our debate strategy was for whatever the topic was that we got assigned. So, uh, you know, a lot of that stuff was, was fun to do. And I didn't really think of myself as a public speaker. Um, I, I didn't really think of myself as a performer, but that's ultimately, that's what it is. That's what, if you go into litigation, it's, it's performance art. Uh, you're you're putting on a show for the jury. You're putting on a show for the judge. Uh, it's it's all it's all bravado and performance art, and to a to a certain degree, of course, you have to know the facts and know the law. But uh, there's a certain element of charm and and bravado they have to bring there. And then I really enjoyed that that setting, and and that wasn't going to be something that I could get at a desk job, like I said. So uh, yeah, you gotta gotta play to your strengths and. This is something that I kind of just naturally somehow flowed into. And now we're we're going to make it a career, hopefully. Yeah, I I from my own personal experience of being a part of mock trial, I always I somehow always get to I mean, it is a legal podcast, so I'm not surprised I'm talking about mock trial every single episode. Um, but I, I found great joy in mock trial because, you know, sort of discovering the fact that at the end of the day, the law is very performative and you do need that charm, especially in something such as mock trial. Um, you know, you, you get points based on how you perform things. Um, I, I always think about a ton of instances that I've seen people say things that probably first aren't true and are just kind of crazy. But the way they say it is just so wonderful that the judge is like, wow, this guy is speaking the truth right now. Um, and, you know, they'll walk away with the 10 on, on you know, the opening or the closing statement. Um, you know, I, I did a closing statement this past semester and, and it was it was very it was a very fun experience. But I think. It, it gave me a lot of skills that were very important going forward just in my personal life in terms of public speaking, like you said. And uh, speaking of those skills, um, you know, you, you talked about performance and, and debating. And, and are there any other skills that, that you have seemingly gained through, you know, your experiences, I guess, in the mood court um, or any any time before that debating that, that have very much helped you improve 
as not only as a law student and a potential lawyer, but just as a person. Okay, are you ready? So I have I have five rules for debate. You want the five rules? Are you ready? Absolutely. All right. So let's see if I can remember them all. I came up with this in college and it, it always served us well. So the first one is no emotion. You shouldn't be arguing your points with emotion as your foundation. You can argue your points emotionally, but your argument shouldn't be based on an emotional appeal. Unless you're in the appeals court, I guess that's a different... In trial, let's say in trial court. Let's stay down in the trial. Um, the second rule was no people, no people attacks. Don't attack people. Don't take, attack organizations. Keep it civil. Keep it uh, structured. The third was to know your argument better than they know their argument. So this is straight preparation. It's straight memorization. I Every time that I had to debate in college, the week before that debate, I had all the points that I wanted, and I would find myself driving around for hours in the car, practicing different arguments out loud. And I, I would run through them, and then in my head, I would have you know, the, the rebuttal, what I would expect the other side to say. And I would try out a new argument, go, oh, that doesn't sound right. And I would try something else out. So preparation is huge. Um, memorization is what gets you far. Your recall, especially in, in uh, an appeal setting in the real world, because you have to know the entire record for an entire case. And you've got, depending on the court, 10, 15, 20 minutes in front of an appeals court and you've got five, seven, nine judges who are asking you questions, and you've got to come up with an answer like that. So your recall has to be on point. So your your preparation, your drilling, um, that's huge. And then the last two, no stats and no numbers, no statistics, uh, because I can give a statistic of some research center, and so can you, and we're going to bicker about whose research is correct, and it's never going to go anywhere. So I always... I always told their kids, don't bring in numbers. Don't say, well, this this organization said 90% of people agree. It's nonsense. Don't do it. Um, and so following those rules pretty strictly, we always we always did pretty well. It's kind of, it's the most objective sort of streamlined debating. Um, so that's, that, that That would be my, my unsolicited debate advice. No, and I, I, by the way, I bring that in to, to move court when, we have little general interest meetings at the beginning of the semester and kids come up to us uh, who might not have, who, who haven't done one of our competitions before. And they'll go, do you have any tips? I'm like, yeah, do that. Don't, <laughs> don't go into your negotiation session and, and start calling the other side names. That's going to work. No, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to have the five rules, the Abe Frangi five rules of debate live on the lawyers in the making podcast. Uh, I wrote them down myself. I'll be sure to use them. <laughs> uh, if they ever were to become useful to me one day uh we I, used to call them uh honest abe's five honest rules for honest debate <laughs> so there you go you can you can copyright that one for there yourself. we go we're, we're coining we're coining names as well i mean it was already prior coined so i'm i'm happy we could put a we could put a name on it now uh you, you can get the call back to abraham lincoln i i love the word play <laughs> But not to switch gears like this, but I have to ask because, you know, I, I always I always do my due diligence before uh, people come on the podcast. And 
I saw something very interesting. And like you said, before, prior to law school, you did a couple uh, uh, odd jobs, you know, some side goals you were looking for. Uh, you were the creative director at the Casal Group. What is that? What were you doing there? I have to know. <laughs> so that is that's a political consultancy firm. Uh, they have, it's a, a great husband and wife team uh, that we're, I was very fortunate enough to become friends with and, and mentors with and made some friends with them through other friends I met in college. Um, great, great people. And so they handle candidates from dog catcher all the way up to uh, to U.S. Senate and everything in between. Uh, so for them, for a while, I was doing uh, some, lots of photos and then just some basic kind of behind the scenes campaign stuff like uh, voter outreach and, and stuff like that. Um, and some other kind of thinking, I don't know uh, what the best way to describe it. Just kind of brainstorming ideas. And, uh, and so then that turned into a lot of, a lot of photography, uh, thinking about ads, digital marketing, uh, stuff like that. So it's a sort of a new way that, that campaigns have to advertise and, and they have to meet the, new way of modern marketing uh, a lot of campaigns are kind of behind the curve on that and so it's it's an effort to when people decide to run for office even on a small local level uh, to kind of beef up their their social media presence and their digital presence and things like that so uh, lots of lots of digital tech marketing strategies and stuff like that yeah that, that that's interesting and and I think it, it seems you you took away a lot of valuable experiences from that job, um, especially with the digital marketing is something I found has been important, especially in starting a podcast, because, um, you know, you, you got to be everything. Uh, you got to have everything on everything. Uh, you know, so I have, a, I have a TikTok, right. Instagram, you know, LinkedIn. Um, that might be it. See, I might need more. Look at that. Uh, um, we'll have to do a consultation. Exactly. That that's what I'm, that's yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Uh, and and I and I think it's interesting as well because it, it you know it, it doesn't have much to do with the, with the law or debating or anything like that. And I I'm glad to see that you're you know through 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 your experiences you're dipping your feet in many different things. And another thing you did you're the administrative director at the Union Street Counseling Services. What was that? And what were you doing there? Okay, so that was a psychology psychiatry office. Uh, this is so. This is what I did after I graduated college, and while I was doing the LSAT and before school. It's a family friend that that owns the business, and they I did a little work in college for them, you know, answering phones and stuff. But then during COVID, they needed and all their staff kind of, I don't know exactly, but they needed somebody to basically help run the, the day-to-day and all the insurance stuff and stuff like that. So uh, I, I ended up stepping into that role. Uh, and that was, that was very interesting. That was a very eye-opening experience for sure. Um, you're helping a population of people that can't always necessarily help themselves. And so it's, it's a very, different customer base than I was used to it. Um, you know, small jobs in high school. And like, I worked at a bagel shop. I worked at a mini golf place. Like these, the, the clientele is very different, drastically different. Um, so, you know, you, you learn patience, you learn organization. Uh, but then 
of course, you've, you've got to learn advocacy when I'm on the phone with an insurance carrier and one of the providers is trying to get prior authorization for some nonsense. And oh my goodness, that whole process. So you you learn all sorts of, of skills. And then I got a good crash course in, in health and in healthcare and how it's administered, um, which is helpful actually in, in law because it all sort of interlinks and I, I've gone through law school going, oh, so that's why I had to have them fill out that form. Uh, that makes sense. So it, you know, I think too, and I'll say this, I have some friends in, in the administration office at the law school and they tell new kids that want to go to law school after college, don't apply, go work for a year, go work somewhere, do something for a year. Don't go straight into law school, which first of all, I think says a lot about what it is that you're actually getting out of college, but also, um, you need that real world experience before you go into law school because you need to be able to reflect on what it is that you're learning because it's all real world stuff. Right? You're, I went into tax. I had tax my first summer of law school and uh, there was some business stuff that I had to deal with at the psych office. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And it, you're able to draw these parallels that you're, you're otherwise not able to get and it kind of closes the picture for you. So I think that it's really important to work in a lot of different fields. Like I, I'm never going to work in healthcare ever again. That was a one-time thing. It was a fluke. Um, you know, I loved working in politics, but I'm, I'm probably never going to do that. Maybe you know, on a volunteer basis, but nothing super formal. Um, you know, I'll just, I'll, that's not anything that I'll get to in that, in that level, but I learned a lot uh, kind of being around those people that do do it professionally every day. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of businesses that I was able to work for, an advertisement company, the bagel shop, uh, an ice cream store, like all these random things in high school. But I learned a lot of stuff from them. And so you, you're able to take all these experiences. They have nothing to do with law, but uh, they're, they're beneficial overall. I honestly could not agree more. Um, I worked at ShopRite. I worked in the produce department. Um, and that was honestly a very eye-opening experience for me because there was a lot of stuff that I did there that I still do every day here, especially even this podcast, um, you know, speaking to customers, helping people out. Uh, you know, it's a lot of, you know, people are coming up to you, where are the onions? It's like, you need to, you need to know where everything is. You, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't really not know the, you know, the plan. And, and I'd walk right. into the back and, you know, each week there'd be a different layout. So I kind of have to study it a little bit and be like, well, okay, the apples are over here now. Um, so I think the, the, it, it, I love what you're saying here because they seem like little things. They seem very insignificant, but I think the fact that you're able to connect those small insignificant moments to the sort of significant parts of your life at law school, in your legal, uh, internships, in your clerkships, uh, I think, at the end of the day, it kind of shows that, okay, I did learn something. Um, I did take something away from, from maybe those jobs where I was getting paid, you know, $12 an hour. Uh, and, and especially, uh, you know, connected to my only uh, personal experience. I, I, 
I always love, um, you know, when I'm reading books, philosophy major, so sorry. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm always reading, not always reading philosophy, but I try to, I enjoy it. Uh, but when I read something and I can connect it to someone else and I could be like, oh yeah, I get why you said that. It kind of shows me that, okay, I'm reflecting on things. I'm, I'm taking things in and, you know, I'm actually learning something here and so on and so forth. But we'll move on to your time at Albany Law. Let's talk about the first year. Everyone says it's traumatic. Was it as traumatic for you as everyone says? Uh, I I am in weekly therapy over my first semester. Uh, no, it, you know what? So here's here's the thing. I started in January of 2021. Uh, the law school had just started. I think the year prior, this January start program. So it's a very reduced. Um, student base. There was only 33 of us, I think, that started. And our first semester, we were very close. We were all in the same four classes. We had the same schedule. We went through the same orientation. Everybody knew everybody. We were a little, a little family, um, which is different than if you start in the fall, you start with 200 kids. Nobody knows who you are. You don't know who anybody is. You all have different schedules. There's no continuity. Uh, so my first semester in in the social aspect was pretty nice because it was we knew everybody and we were all friends and we would go to lunch and you know it was fine. Um, the school aspect, uh, yeah, I had no idea what the hell was going on. <laughs> that was that was something else. So the way that law school classes are structured, it's it's no way like how undergrad is structured. Undergrad is, first of all, they don't care if you show up. Can I digress for a moment? May, may I be allowed to digress for just a moment? Absolutely. I have an undergrad story. Okay. So I have, this is, this is my only really good undergrad story. My undergrad experience was rather boring. So after I had finished all of my real classes, and by real classes, I mean the classes I had to take for my major and my minor, and I had to then take the fake classes, which were just to fill up the credit allowance and uh, you know, so that I could get my pink slip and leave. I took urban planning, like city planning for cities. And uh, I went to the first class. It was in, as you know, UAlbany. It has those big giant lecture centers. It was one in, in one of those lecture centers with two or 300 other kids. You are a little fish in a massive giant ocean. Uh, they don't take attendance. I don't know if they take attendance now, but when I was there, they didn't take attendance. They don't care if you're there. As long as the check clears, I don't care. So I showed up to the first class and he, he said to us, I don't take attendance. Your only grade is a paper. You have to write about your hometown and scrutinize the city planning uh, process in your hometown. Bring it on the last day of class and paper and put it down. Go, fine, super. I'm never showing up. I don't even know if I bought the book. I don't even know if there was a book. So again, I'm from a small town just, just north of Albany called Clifton Park. Uh, and so I wrote my paper, really just a, a scathing rebuke of the traffic patterns uh, of the overpopulation. We have a lot of traffic from Saratoga from the race course uh, and, and just the, the discombobulation that, that, that our small town had turned into from, from all that. And I wrote like a 30 page scathing uh, rebuke of the city planning in the town of Clifton Park. And so I print it out and it's the last day and I bring it 
and I put it on the desk in the lecture center. And, you know, I go, oh, I'll, just, I'll stay for this for this class. Why not? It's the last class. I'll stay for it. I didn't stay for any of the others, so I'll stay for this one. So I sat down, and he starts talking. He goes, so as you all know, for the last 30-some-odd years, I've been the city planner for the town of Clifton Park. And I go, oh, no, no. I just wrote 30-some pages just just demolishing this man's career. Oh, no. Oh, no. Rightfully so. I got a D minus in the class, uh, which was my lowest grade ever. Somehow I didn't fail, but I did get a D minus, which I'm strangely somewhat proud of that I got a D minus in that class. I don't know why. I can't explain it. It's some narcissistic thing. I, I, I don't know why. But anyways, why I tell that story is because law school is absolutely not like that at all. You can't skate by at all. The material is really dense. Um, you're learning an entire area of law in about two months. And you're not only learning the current law, you're learning how that section of law started 200, 300 years ago. What, you know, in property, you take property, you learn about like the first land disputes. When, when, Whoever came here in whatever year, 16, right, 16, whatever, it's the first land dispute. Somebody had to go to a court, and that's the first case you read. And then the rest of it is the legal precedent for the next 400, 300, 400 years. Uh, so, so there's a ton to it. And if you miss a moment of it, whew, good luck. Best of luck. So it's, it's a totally different game. Like undergrad is a four-year, you know, if you're – not boring like I was. I was totally boring in college. I did nothing fun. But for all the non-boring people, it's a four-year booze-fueled vacation on your parents' dime. That's wonderful. Congratulations. When you go to law school, that's not the case. You're going to be working. You're going to be reading. Um, you know, frequently, my first semester was reading to like 2 a.m. because I was trying to absorb everything. That's not the way to do it. You have to kind of be strategic. But um, no, first semester was not that bad. It was it was scary, definitely at the beginning. Uh, I hate making friends. I'm not good at it, so that part was scary. But uh, you know, learning the material, you kind of get used to it. There's a, a rhythm to it, and after a while, you pick up how to take notes and how to outline your classes and things like that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the undergraduate story, I'll be honest. I um I actually am in very much the same boat. I think I have one class I have to do for my major and minor, and that's it. And I'm, you know, I'm a second, I, right now I'm a second semester junior. So, you know, the stuff, I think I'm taking college accounting this, this semester. I'm a philosophy major. Uh, but um, uh, why I'm taking accounting, more, more of a personal, I don't I, Honestly, I don't know. I heard someone say it on a podcast. It's like a good a good class you could take. I think they were lying to me. Um, but now I get to find out this semester. Uh, but I, I I also think it, it's very interesting how, you know, you sort of get that rhythm. And but at the same time, you know, you, you, I know a very big thing that I uh, I guess a mantra of mine is, you know, the only way is through. And especially for law school, you, you can't get over it or, or go under it or anything like that or, or try to cut corners. 
Uh, and I think that's important for the audience to hear that, especially the people that aren't in law school yet, is that, you know, you really cannot cut corners. You cannot miss a moment, especially the fact I, I didn't know that you go all the way back in your in your legal classes. You know, you go to the first land dispute and especially, you know, the, the legal system of this country is all based on precedent. So, you know, if you want to learn, if you want to know why something in 1850 happened, you probably have to go back to 1750 just to see why that happened. And then you got to go back even further and so on and so forth, uh, which maybe I'll find interesting. But I would assume that for a lot of people, that was probably a very, uh, you know, mind boggling sort of experience. Uh, but going forward, you eventually became a legal intern at Brown and Wenrob. Did I say that right? Uh, Weinrob. And if I don't correct you, then uh, somebody will text me and I'll get scolded. Uh, no, that's that's a great firm. So that's a that's a lobbying firm. Uh, it is, as far as I'm aware, still the premier lobbying firm in the state of New York. Uh, and and they deserve it. They have some great people over there. And, and I've been fortunate enough to, to get to know a lot of them as friends, too. Um, so, so lobbying is a, a game of its own. Um, it's helpful to have a law degree because on one hand, you're looking at what the legislature is about to produce and very well could be that the governor signs it and that thing comes into law. So having a law degree is helpful because then you know, the law firms and, and lobby firms, they have clients and those clients have interests. And so you have to see, all right, well, if this piece of legislation legislation that's that's coming down the pipe, how is it going to impact my client's goals? How's it going to impact, uh, you know, they might, they might not want to do something in their business right now, but maybe in 10 years. And if this bill comes down and is signed, uh, then they might be precluded from from expanding in some other venture 10 years, 20 years down the road. So there's all sorts of this this logic to it. Uh, it's, it's really interesting work. It's not at all what uh, is described in, in the movies. It's not what's described in, in pop culture. Um, you know, I'm sure maybe if you go down to Washington, then there's some there's some tomfoolery. Um, but that's that's not my experience at all. Um, you know, there's there's some really good small businesses that are just looking to navigate the uh, behemoth that is the state legislature. And unless you, you know, I, I've been around the, the legislature, you know, through college and I've had friends that work in, as legislative director. So I'm very comfortable understanding the processes of, of how it works. But, you know, if you're a small business owner, if you're a farmer, uh, in New York and you're trying to get something done uh, and you know, trying to figure out how the legislature works is a full-time job. And so you need, you need some help. So it's, it's an advocacy, uh, you know, government relations and advocacy. It's, it's really, really interesting work. There's a lot of problem solving and, and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed it. I was fortunate enough to be there for two semesters last year. Um, but great, great people, a lot of fun, a lot of good clients to work with. And uh I really enjoyed it. So from that, I have to ask, because it seems like you had a very positive experiences or experience, uh, excuse me, experience at the law firm. And what I always like to illuminate on this podcast are the positive experiences you have at, at certain 
internships or law clerkships and some negative experiences. So do you have any positive experiences that you can sort of expand on or any negative experiences in terms of maybe this is something I'd want to do in my future and maybe this isn't something I'd want to do in my future? Oh, I think positive wise, positive wise I, I definitely think that um, government relations or something like that is something that's in my future. Maybe not to that scale, um, but but guiding, and I'm I'm ultimately interested in helping businesses start up and and grow. Um, I think that's kind of where my legal footing is going. I'm interested in in working with companies that need some help navigating formation, uh, and then regulate regulatory things and and helping them grow. Um, it's kind of my I have sort of that that business background. I'd like to keep in. But I also like the, the government and the politics side of it, too. And so you kind of mush all these things together, and that's sort of where it all shakes out. So definitely that's that would be my my good thing, I think, is that I could absolutely see myself somewhere down the road in, in that sort of a job. Um, but I think bad, can't really think of anything bad. I did gain a lot of weight. Uh, there's a lot of snacks at that office. And uh, a lot of peanut M and M's. I did, I did get. Don't tell my mom, but I did get a couple of cavities over the year of working there because every day I would go in, I would get, uh, I would get a cup of peanut M and M's out of the dispenser, and they would be that would that was my lunch usually. You know, I would I would have peanut M and M's. So uh, that would be the bad is that I was well fed, and uh, they were gracious enough to let me munch on the peanut M and M's. So other than that, no, I, I had a wonderful time, and I, I think that. And that's a, if you're interested in politics, that's a kind of a different route to go than the standard go intern for the legislature route. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's important that you said that is that it is a different way of, of looking at the politics of, uh, and that's a big interest of a lot of people at UAlbany, obviously. Um, you know, they have one of the, I think the, the best political science um, the Rockefeller College is probably number one in the state, probably one of the best in the country, uh, and especially the fact that, well, you know, where I currently am right now, the the legislature is down the road. Uh, so there's so many different opportunities here. And I think that that was sort of a, 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 a eye-opening experience for me in, in talking to people, and that there's so many different paths and so many different ways you could go with the law. And just there's... Um, like so, so much. I, I know I've, I've mentioned before, um, you know, there's, there's veterinarian lawyers out there who just deal mm -hmm. over animal disputes. And I, I was like, I was, I was amazed by that. Cause you know, when you get it, when you really get into the weeds of it all, there is always a function somewhere for the law. Uh, the law is eventually going to step in somewhere, you know, somehow. Uh, and, and I think that's important for people to hear that even for myself, uh, that that there there are so many different paths you can go down. Well, yeah, I mean, I I went for counterterrorism, and there's obviously there's a lot of legal issues inherent in that in the national security framework. But I'm not going to be practicing in that area of law. Um, I was never on a pre-law track. Uh, I poli sci was my minor, so outside of that, that was really the only tangential connection to law that I had uh, in my undergraduate career and you can i mean there's there's people who 
have a business background or they have their MBA before they come to law school. There's people that have a mechanical engineer degree and they go become patent lawyers. And so there's all sorts of things that's totally malleable. Uh, you know, if you continue down this law path, you'll have a philosophy degree, which, which will be great because you'll love law school and they get to teach you all about theory and it's all theoretical and you'll have three years of wonderful experiences. Um, if you continue down this route, because it's it's just exactly, you know, if, I'm assuming that you love philosophy. I'm assuming that's why you're staying in philosophy in your, in your junior and senior year, but that's what law school is. So uh, there's a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah, I, I think in, in that, that, that last point there, that there's a little bit of something for everybody is absolutely true. And one of the reasons I made this podcast, because I, I think, I think in, in talking to people prior to making it and you know, kind of exploring and, and doing some soul searching myself, I kind of saw that there are so many different opportunities and very unique opportunities where even, you know, if, if you're into sports and, you know, I, I unfortunately was not athletically gifted, um, you know, you, you can still find your way, you know, being a, a, of counsel of an NBA team or an NFL team or, or working within the organization in the legal department because, you know, every business, every corporation needs a legal department they need counsel and and you know it just further shows how expansive the law gets sometimes there's just so much to it but abe it's your time to shine let's move to the albany law moot court you are the executive director this is your plug go ahead oh boy all right thank you i i appreciate that i have to tell you the story so I, our we had a legal secretary she was our legal secretary for the moot court program for like 30 years and she just retired a couple of weeks ago. So I went up in, in her, uh, you know, goodbye event. We had food and stuff. The whole school came over. And I, I went up and did a little speech. And I go, hi, everybody. I'm here to talk about Moot Court. But don't worry. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not advertising. I'm just just thanking our legal secretary for her many decades of, of help. So uh, apparently I've, I've gained a reputation around the law school for uh, endlessly advertising the court program which i'm fine with i mean i don't you know at least everybody knows what moot court is so listen as you should as you should you know exactly yeah so all right here's what it is we have a whole bunch of competitions for our students and then we put on competitions that we we host college students and law students from around the country for our students in-house we have negotiations which we write a simulated a problem between two parties who are trying to negotiate something. Um, it's contract disputes, employments, anything like that. I mean, you name it, we've done it. Divorce, custody, whatever it is, at some point it's been done. We have uh, client counseling, which is simulating when uh, you, as the lawyer, are welcoming a new client into your office and they're telling you about their problem for the first time. It's client intake. Uh, that's a huge skill. And, and we focused on those two competitions a lot. Those were our skills competition. Then we have a criminal trial uh, and the teams will play either the defense or the prosecution. Uh, and then we have an appellate trial. So we, we simulate court of appeals. Uh, we write for you what has happened in the trial court. And then you're competing as if you're taking that case to the appeals court for the first time. And uh, then nationally, we host a family law competition, uh, which is another appeals competition. And then 
uh, a collegiate appeals competition. So we have a lot. We have a lot of competitions over the year. Uh, and we run those every year. And it's a big benefit to our students. Um, Albany Law is, is sort of has a reputation of being a trade law school. There's a there's a huge heavy focus on on practical learning, and the moot court program is you know that's that's our football team. If you compete, it's you know that's the performance. When we have final rounds, we have a big uh, moot courtroom on the fourth floor, next to our office, and uh, that's that's filled with people on our on our final night. And the school comes to watch, and it's two teams. It's you know it's their rivals, and they're sparring out over some trial that one of us wrote up over the summer and so that's uh it's it's really exciting it helps a lot and we're very fortunate too because it it's good for networking we have think about it we have the whole legislature we have all of the government agencies we have the executive office we have a lot of federal agencies all of the state courthouses all of the federal courthouses and they're all two miles away from the school two or three miles. So it's a regular occurrence for us where we have one of the federal judges uh, or in some cases a panel of the Supreme Court judges, uh, of the appellate judges, of the Court of Appeals judges who come up and judge for us. The partners at firms, big associates from, from big prestigious Albany firms, they come and judge for us. The, the legislative aides uh, who work in the legal department, they come and judge for us. And they give feedback to our competitors, and and it usually looks it looks something like this: uh, what you just did there, I did that twenty years ago. It screwed me over royally. Don't ever do that ever again. <laughs> and here's what you should do instead. And it's it's wonderful. It's practical, real world advice. Um, how I got? Can I tell you how I got started in this this fun Absolutely. thing? Absolutely, please that's do. A, that's a good story. All right. So I have a friend at, at law school. His name is Justin Aragosa. Shout out Justin. And shout out Justin. Um, very, very smart guy. He actually, he works for us on Moot Court now. So I, I have a lot of respect for his brain. He's got a big brain, very smart, <laughs> and I trust his judgment. And I sometimes blindly trust him to the point where last February, he, uh, I was sitting in the cafeteria of the law school, and he came down and he handed me a piece of paper, and he told me to sign it. And I signed it because I trust him. And I thought, hand of God, I thought it was somebody was running for a position in the student government or something like that. And that, you know, you need signatures or whatever. So I go, oh, yeah, whatever. And later that day we were out at lunch. I go, Justin, what was that thing that you had me sign this morning? He goes, oh yeah, uh, we are competing in the negotiation competition and it starts next Tuesday. And I go, oh, that's, that's fun for us. I didn't. I didn't know that we were doing that. Uh, so we we competed in that. We ended up winning, oh, and you know, no, I had to throw that in. So, <laughs> but it, that's that's easily one of my favorite stories of law school because I had really no interest in any joining any student group. I didn't join law review. I didn't join. Uh, any of the clubs. I didn't, I just didn't do anything. I don't like socializing. I hate it. I hate putting myself out there. And so if he didn't almost sort of forge my signature on that application to compete, 
you know, who knows what we would have done because it's, it, it, networking is important. And so we're able to bring in all of these talented attorneys and judges to the school. They meet with the the competitors, our second and third year law students. And then our first year law students volunteer. They serve as the bailiffs and the jurors. They do all the role playing. So they get to meet with all these judges too. It's a huge network uh, that we build and it's a very unique experience. There's really no other program at the law school or, or anything at the law school that is constantly streaming in all of these high power, uh, high profile uh, individuals from the Albany legal community and just presenting them to the student body. Say, yeah, about it. Talk to them, network with them. Uh, I've seen it time and time again. Students who go up, they chit chat for a little bit. They go, oh yeah, I'd love to talk with you more over coffee. They go talk with coffee. And then I talk to them two months later and I go, oh yeah, I got an internship in that office. Fantastic. So it, it, it just kind of goes to show it. You have to put yourself out there. Um, I give a lot of kudos to the competitors that even just start in one of our competitions. That's a pretty big, pretty big deal, putting yourself out there in one of our competitions. There are a lot of work. And uh, it, it shows that you're willing to take on a big challenge and that you're organized and you're capable and you might be nervous or you might have been improperly uh, enrolled in the competition like I was, but you learn a lot of skills. And it's it's very, I think it's a great experience. And I get to see firsthand every time we do a competition, uh, the benefit that it has for our students. Well, yeah, it seems like, you know, what it, you definitely stumbled upon one of those, uh, you know, sometimes life gives you lemons, make it lemonade. And you certainly have. Uh, so, uh, from, from that point when your signature was almost forged, uh, you know, sometimes in life, you know, it just, it, it draw, it draw, you know, some things just pop right into your lap and you're like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. Uh, and it clearly very much worked out for you. And, and I think I, I want to emphasize the point that you made it was very important to put yourself out there. Uh, you know, I, I, myself, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'd call myself an introvert, um, cause you know, maybe I'm, I like talking to people. That's the, that's the only thing. But, you know, especially even before, you know, I, I keep talking about starting the podcast, but, you know, it was a very nerve wracking experience for me. I'll, I'll come out and I'll be honest. I'll come out and say it. I'm, you know, it was even posting it on my Instagram. I was like, you know, what, what are people going to think about this? How will they view me? But, you know, sometimes you just got to shut the noise off and, and just and just do it uh, and, and put your foot down. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, think about it too like this. When you get into the professional world and you start litigating. So now it's your professional reputation on the line, right? You've, you've got a judge who, uh, you know, you've, you've got to be on your A game for it. You've got to be able to answer the questions and you've got to answer them now. And you have to have all your papers and you have to have them now. And you have to be ready to go, right? It's your professional identity. You have to have a good working relationship with your opposing counsel. And if you're not even litigating, just, just in your office. Um, and so I, I give you big props for starting this because I know it takes, it takes a lot. It's very easy and very safe to just go, you know what? There's this nice Patrick Star rock. You know, Patrick Star, let me Absolutely. hide under Patrick Star rock, right? And you never come out and that's it, right? That's, that's the easy way to do it. Uh, the the anonymity of it is is safe and there's nothing risky there and uh but you know i think 
you've got a pretty good gig going here. And that's, that's a good lesson for, for going forward in law. If that's an area of the law that you want to go into where you have to put yourself out there and your name out there every day, um, and you know you do by by virtue of signing your documents for your clients, you're putting your reputation out there too. So, uh, you know, it's it's a an interesting professional lesson is that you know if you go into law, your your sort of anonymity goes away, but you have to build up your reputation pretty quickly too. Yeah, and and I think even even uh, bouncing off that point, I I think even for myself, you know, the fact that, that I am doing this and, and even prior, uh, you know, I remember freshman year of college, I didn't get involved on campus at all. Like I didn't join any groups or anything, but, uh, you know, so- sophomore year, one of my friends was like, listen, you got to get out there. You got to do something. And and even my parents are saying that I was like, all right, whatever. Uh, you know, I joined mock trial, I joined Phi Alpha Delta. And like, you know, I met, I met a ton of people, you know, they're all my friends today. Um, I all cherish them greatly. And, you know, I'm, I'm forever grateful for them. And, and, you know, I'm happy that the people that pushed me towards to join those groups, you know, did, because if they didn't, like you said, you know, like you said, with moot court, you know, who knows? And, and I also think, you know, putting your name out there, putting yourself out there, it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on yourself as well. Not, not in a bad way, but more in, you know, even for myself, I want to make sure that I'm putting out the best content I'm having, you know, I'm preparing for all my interviews and and making sure that I'm I'm making sure my brand that you know I put out there is is reflects very good on myself. Um because you know at the end of the day, you know, we got to have a little pride in ourselves and and make sure that you know we look good on the outside cuz it helps. It definitely helps. It has helped <laughs> me. It has clearly helped you. Um and and it's an amazing thing. Uh so um uh, me me and Abe both are big advocates. Put yourself out there. Go Absolutely. out there and do it. Um, but I have take to take the risk. Exactly. Take the risk. Always take the risk. Because you know, you never know what's on the other side, but that's the best part of it. Um, Absolutely. but I have to ask, I've I've in I think it was over this summer, I for like a week straight at night, I'd put on I'd watch like moot court competitions from the past. Um I don't know, you know, I'm a weird guy. I do weird things. What what can I say? Um, you know, I'm sitting there eating my ice cream watching mood court, and my dad walks in, he's like, What the hell are you doing in here? Um, but is it is it similar to that? Because I've watched like the national competition, it's like Harvard and someone else, they'll have like Sonia Sotomayor come up. Is it that sort of thing or is it different? So I'll I'll take your question in two parts. The first is it's absolutely not weird that you sit and eat <laughs> ice cream and watch mock trials. I sit and eat ice cream and watch real trials. They're all over YouTube and they live stream all the time. And it's like some random criminal case in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. And I'm glued to it. I don't know what's going on, but I'm there for it. So if you if you've hit that level of law nerd, uh, you're doing just fine. You'll be fine. Don't, don't sweat a thing. Uh, on the second half, is it similar? So yes and no. Um, there's there's certain formalities that you have to meet. Uh, so, for instance, you know, we have the client counseling competition, and this is this is done all over the place. It's not unique to us. None of them are unique to us. Um, client counseling is it's very common. There's national competitions for it, and so you know it's it's you get graded on uh, your ability to communicate with the client. And for us, the, our clients are first year students. We write for them sort of their character's um, background. 
So for instance, it might be, you know, we, a single mom divorced now has kids dealing with custody has all a whole litany of legal issues that are, that are coming down the pipe and needs to talk to the attorney. So now the attorneys, it's, you know, two of our competitors and they're going to get graded on how well they work together. Uh, they're going to get graded on how well they just welcome the client to the table. Do they create a welcoming environment for the table? Um, do they bring tissues? Sometimes, I don't know if, if we give bonus points for if they bring tissues or not. I should probably know that, but I don't know that. Um, you know, so, so there are some of those things like how you proceed and how you style your questions. Obviously, you don't want to go, why are you here? What do you need? It's, you're, you're trying to create a welcoming environment. You get graded on that. For some of the appeals, um, the appeals trials that we do, you're following the way that, that solicitor generals go to the, the Supreme Court and argue uh, you know, in, on behalf of or in defense of their state. And it's you get up there, right? You have your binder, you put it on the podium. You take a two second pause and it's super awkward because I can tell who's been trained and who hasn't. It's kind of funny to watch. You put your you put your binder up on the podium and you look up and Mr. Chief Justice, Associate Justices, and may it please the court, right? Those are the formalities. And those, those are always kind of fun. It's, I always chuckle at those. I don't know why. I just, I think it's kind of funny. But I think it's, you know, it's obviously that's what happens in, in real life. Um, so it's, it's an important tradition to keep. It's a sign of respect for the, for one of the higher courts, of course. And then you get going and you start doing your, your argument. So we do have those sort of formalities uh, that mimic the real world. Uh, to my knowledge, we have not had any Supreme Court justices uh, <laughs> grace us with their presence. We do have an alum who who ended up on the Supreme Court about a hundred years ago, okay. uh, but I don't I don't know if I could get him uh, these days to come judge for us. I'm not sure if he's available. So, but we do have the the federal court judges. Um, judge D'Agostino comes pretty much every year to our our appellate trial. Uh, and and the magistrate judges are gracious enough to come, uh, Judge Stewart, Judge Hummel, um, and Judge Nardachi, who I got to work for over the summer. She hasn't uh, she hasn't had any spots in her calendar yet. She's very busy starting her court, which is totally understandable. But she's she's I've asked her, and she said she will come, so I know she'll come uh, <laughs> in the future. But uh, you know I can't blame her. She's starting a, a federal court, so you know we'll cut her some slack. Uh, but she was she was great to work for this summer. Um, and then, of course, the Court of Appeals judges uh, for the state. And then all of the we'll get some Court of Claims judges, uh, some, a lot of Supreme Court judges, which is in New York. That's our our trial level because mm -hmm. we we like to do everything uh, nonsensical here in New York. It just makes everything easier for everyone. And uh, a lot of family court judges. So. You know, they, they all have various backgrounds all over the place and, and they bring those backgrounds to us. And so they, they bring some formality with them. Yeah, I, I actually can speak to the uh, the the New York courts uh, being as backwards as possible. Uh, this past summer, I worked at uh, my DA's office and uh, the my my boss was basically explaining to me the court system because I had to look through some legal stuff because it was, you know, it was my first time. And I was like, so the Supreme Court goes on top. He's like, no, it goes at the bottom. I was like, what do you mean? Um, he's like, the district court is the highest. 
then goes the court of appeals then it's the supreme court and i'm like why did they he's like listen don't ask me i have no idea uh so it definitely confused me um it took a little bit to get used to that um but go, going back to an earlier point you talked about the tissues uh you know bring that to the table i'm i'm a lover of intricacies i i don't know why i i like the little things that and uh, that make things so much better, uh, especially in mock trial. That's a very crucial thing. Like you said, in moot court, like those little things that you do are all a part of the collective big show you put on. And, and they're just as important, just as we were talking about before that, you know, your experiences at the ice cream shop and my experiences at the shop at ShopRite are significant, um, you know, in our career still today. Because, you know, those insignificant moments, you know, those skills that you gain, they they follow you and, and you know, they're still within you. Uh, I, I remember in uh, doing mock trial, it was last year, it was at the regional competition. Uh, I was cross-examining cross a crying witness and she started like crying and she didn't have tissues. And she's like, oh, can I get a tissue? And I was like, and her co-counsel had one or not a co-counsel, one of one of the counselors on the other side had one. And I was like, no, no, I could go get it. And I got the tissues for her and I brought it. And like the judge was loving it. I got a 10 for that. And he really, really, so just like those little things like that are so, so important with everything. And that goes back to preparation. Uh, just, you know, being able to work on your feet like that. It, I, I love it. I don't know why. I just, I, I appreciate the little things, you know. Um, but sort of switching gears here let's get a little personal with Abe um so this is I've asked this question in the last couple episodes I always say it's a weird question I don't think it's a weird question um but what are the sort of things that you consume on a day not food what are the sort of things you consume on a daily basis so like social media uh what, what are you reading every day just you know what what are sort of the things that you read that are crossing the transom of your mind every day reading okay so i hate social media um which is hysterical considering that i did marketing um i hate it i think it's totally totally destructive i try to stay away from it as much as possible admittedly when i'm bored i will go on to something and i will look at woodworking I like woodworking i'll look at uh hiking uh camping stuff skiing stuff a lot of outdoors stuff uh lots of gopro videos those are really cool uh, those sorts of stuff i try to make my social media usage as constructive as possible because i find it totally detestable but inevitably somebody sends me something that i have to go watch and so then i get dragged into a rabbit hole and suddenly oh there's a baking video like, oh, all right so i'll watch that um reading uh i don't read for leisure all that much i have a very hard time reading i got a little touch of the dyslexia uh, i went for dyslexia testing a few years ago and i was i was doing whatever the diagnosis test or whatever it is and the guy stopped me. he's like stop you read at a fifth grade level like, okay well that's not good because i'm about to go into law school so we should we should figure that out because I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know if you know what law school is, but they make you read and they make you be, read a lot. So it that drains me a little bit to read through the case books. And because you, you get about 100 pages every couple of days to read through. It's there's like a good amount of material. And 
I have to take my time with it because otherwise, um, you know, I can read a whole page and I skip the whole page. I've read it. <laughs> but I have no idea what I just read. So it gets a little draining. I don't really read for, for leisure as much as I'd like to. Yeah, I love I love I love the woodworking in the outdoors. This is that's the sort of you know that's the sort of response I wanted because it, it gives a little peek into what go what's going on in Abe's personal life. Um, I always see the guy who brings his kids to go camping. You ever see that guy? I know he just, yeah. he's recently really really just started really getting popular. I always see that like on my Instagram and stuff. So I always watch those yeah. videos. They're fun. I enjoy it. Um, but I agree with the social media stuff. I mean, I you know. There's been many, many times I've cashed myself just, you know, going, watching and watching. And it's like, I even got a ton. It's like, Nate, take your finger off the screen, man. Just, <laughs> just turn it off. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big deleter of apps. Like, if I if I feel like Me I'm too. on something, I'm just like, delete it. I'm like, that's it. Yep. Like, I, I, and, and like you said, like someone will send something to me and then I won't even get to what they send to me. Like, I'll just be scrolling down and be like, why am I even on here? <laughs> so that that always happens. Um, yeah. So second to last question here, you're, you know, you, you're doing your moot court, you're going to law school, you got your internships, but what is an ideal Sunday morning or Friday night look for you? Uh, sleep, <laughs> sleep, sleep is the answer. That's not a good answer, but that's honestly, that's the honest answer. I, I don't really go out. I don't like going out. Um, but I, I just like to stay in, watch a movie, um, maybe make some dinner or maybe go see a couple of friends who aren't doing anything loud or rambunctious. Um, but nothing, nothing too crazy. Just relaxing. A lot of the time, I honestly spend a lot of my, my Fridays and my weekends prepping moot court stuff. Uh, it's like a small part-time full-time job. And those are my only quiet times. So a lot of, a lot of my weekends get spent prepping for the next week, but that's all right. It's, it's worth it. It's good. It keeps my brain moving. So. Absolutely. I, I, and, and don't worry. I love the simplicity. There's nothing wrong with simplicity. Listen, everyone, I know a lot of people who love their sleep. You clearly do. And there's nothing wrong with it. Um, but here we go. Final question. Every episode at the end, I always ask, what are your words of wisdom for the law students, the legal professionals, even or and the aspiring, especially the aspiring law students, but the law students, even legal professionals? What are your words of wisdom for them? Uh, I think that law school helps you think critically. I, I think that it's a tremendous service, even if you don't end up practicing law. If you want to go into business, um, if you want to manage something, it it provides you with a framework, with a background that you really don't get anywhere else. And I mean, I don't work for the school or anything. I don't. This is this is uh, an honest opinion. I think that there's a a big benefit to going through law school um, and seeing and understanding how different processes that you have to deal with every day have come to be why it is that you have to have car insurance right that's you hate probably every year you have to do some registration or something well in some class in torts you'll learn how liability works you'll learn how negligence works 
right? You'll, you'll learn how defects in cars are. And so you'll learn about all these things. And you go, oh, that's why I have to do that. And you have all these aha moments and, and everything, unfortunately, you know, the great thing about the U.S. is we are, are extremely litigious. We like suing. And so there's lots of precedent. There's lots of things to read. There's lots of cases. Um, there's, there's lots to understand about why a process in, in the public arena is the way it is. And law school shed the light on that. So I say, go to law school. Um, you'll learn a lot. And it'll make you a, a better professional on the other side. Well, Abe, I couldn't agree more. And that's the pod. Thank you so much for coming on. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. And I will see you in the next one.